Welcome to the Dead Men of Whiskey, a podcast about the remarkable lives and sometimes unusual deaths of the names we all know in whiskey. Now settle in, pour yourself a drink, and sip along with Amy and Christian as they tell you a story about one of those names on a bottle. Hey, whiskey friends, thanks for joining us. Today we're going to go mainstream again and we're going to talk about one of the world's best selling whiskeys, Evan Williams. One of the best selling whiskeys, Evan Williams. Evan Williams, this is what we're drinking today. And I want to do the ceremonious, uh, the the ceremony of opening the bottle and pouring ourselves a a short, Mm -hmm. (laughs) short pour. And I just want everybody to hear the just imagine the elegance uh, to open this this beautiful plastic bottle, screw top cap, and I'm gonna pour it into my glass. And uh, it's just the luxury, the luxury. The luxury it, it's just unparalleled. Yeah, unparalleled. Do you want to pour some of this for yourself? That said, yeah. <laughs> You just want to drink it straight out of the plastic yes. flask? I'm drinking it out of the plastic flask. For Wait, put the cap back on so it doesn't go bad. <laughs> wrong with you. I mean, that's a half a flask. Yeah, okay. All right. Anyway, so yeah, we're talking about Evan Williams today. Obviously, if you've ever drank whiskey, you know Evan Williams. It's everywhere. It is one of the best-selling whiskeys. You are right, Amy, in the entire world. And um, there are reasons for that. The story behind this guy is fucking bonkers. Let's uh, let's t- let's take a shot. Let's let's see what we got here. <laughs> this is so my first time ever having Evan Williams. It isn't, but you're, you're you know, I've it. I've had so much Evan Williams in my life that I don't even know where to start. But we're gonna we're gonna try it again for posterity. You're drinking it out of a Glen Karen. Here, let's, we, we, we gotta clink our glasses first. To, Cheers. Cheers. Ah. It brings me back to being 20. I think it might have just killed me. No, no, you look concerned. Um (laughs) that's you know, wow. All right. Well, you know, I this this is a lot for theater. I don't hate Evan Williams. I actually have spent many, many weekends in Evan Williams's company. I have woken up in with Evan Williams with Evan Williams company still on my mind, or at least in the back portion of my head that hurts breath. really bad. Yeah, <laughs> on my breath, you know, on the floor, on my clothes. It is. Um, <clears throat> It's a mainstay. It's a mainstay. No matter what you can say, it's a kind of. And here's the deal about mainstays and mainstream whiskeys and whatever. I don't care how much you can say, like for instance, like McDonald's. You can walk past a McDonald's, you're like, I would ever eat that crap. You know, I'm not going to do that stuff. But then all of a sudden, like you know, I would. I you would walk eat some by French fries and right you now. smell some. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. You walk by, you smell some McDonald's French fries, and you're like, I need that in my life. 
McRibs back in town and you got to get one of those. Oh, those are so... I I will shiv a person that tells me not to eat a McRib. First of all, I think they're gone now. Thank God. Yeah, they're but, gone now. They're gone. Yeah. But seriously, have you had them recently? They're like a third of the size they used to be. No. They don't it's, have okay. like the, the onions. On they, it no, used they, to be really good. I, I remember them being good. I got one when they came back. I think recently. we just got better and maybe they're, you know. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, it's, it's the same thing. Like looking back on like boyfriends you may have had like 15 years ago. It's like, oh, well, yeah, we had a great time. It's like, would you date that guy? No fucking way I would date that guy now or date that woman now. I feel There's like no- you're, that was very pointed at me. No, it was actually pointed at me. I, you I wouldn't told, date that guy again. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. I mean, I'm saying let's let's you know if we're if we're reversing. Yeah, I would. There are plenty of people that I would not date again. There are plenty of people that uh, I you know yeah you get the you know what I'm talking about. If it makes you feel better, it's some nostalgia. You were correct. I wouldn't date that guy. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. But but you know here's the deal. So I'm not gonna hate on it. Not gonna hate on it. There's a lot of nostalgia with this brand. Yeah. There's a lot of like history I have with Evan Williams. And um granted, it don't think has ever really tried to be. And as we get into this story, you'll see more about how it's actually been perceived through history. But um, but let's actually let's get into it. Okay, but before we get into it, and as we're talking about drinking things and tasting things and deliciousness, we should talk about our friends over at makethemwobble.com did make some delicious wobble shots in honor of this episode. Oh, shit. Nice. They're called Sour Evans, and they're Evan Williams in pomegranate liqueur, and so, so good. They actually have fresh pomegranate in them, and they're beautiful. And you can find the recipe at makethemwobble.com if you want to up your jello shot game. I want to try one of those. I don't know I haven't had one yet. Before we really, really dive in, we should acknowledge that the story of Evan Williams has a fair bit of lore connected to it. Yeah. So we're going to do our best in the episode to give you the information and let you decipher it, but we will do our due diligence and give you both sides if we have them. Yeah, and it is it goes probably at this point, since you've been listening to this podcast without saying, but just as a reminder, we love whiskey. We are not historians. Like a lot of the stuff that we learn, we find out. We're eager to find this information and and learn about everything and find all the different sides of the story that we can find and everything. But you know, we might get it off a little bit. Don't don't hate us too hard for that. And actually, if you catch anything, and this is an interesting thing, we would love to hear from you. We always because, love to hear from you. Well, yeah, always. But you know, in this particular, please don't hesitate to correct us because it's actually kind of fun to get uh, to get that information and update everyone based on your knowledge so you can all well actually us and push your sun your glasses up and give us the proper story that we may have gotten wrong i don't know but let's let's dive in anyway let's see what's up keep in mind we drink a lot while we do the research too so we drink a lot when we're not doing the research but anyway (laughs) or i do anyway let me not drag you down my hole all right so Evan Williams was a Welsh immigrant who immigrated to the United States around 1780 and settled in the newly established Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. Uh, we don't know much about Evan before he left Wales, but legend has it that he was the head of the first commercial whiskey production in Wales and left for America when that endeavor wasn't successful. So now Evan is in Kentucky and he's setting up his new life as a homestead farmer. 
Almost immediately, he identified a problem in the new town of Louisville. The soil in the area was ideal for producing large crops, but with the town being new, there wasn't enough infrastructure to support its transportation out. And there wasn't enough people in the newly formed town to consume all the things that could be grown. You have to remember, this is the late 1700s. The railroad didn't exist. The Golden Spike was placed in 1869, so almost 100 years later. Golden, so, yeah, Golden Spike. That's my favorite strip club. That's uh, in Dallas, I think. Is it really? No, it's not. That's I don't know. It just sounded like one. Yeah, yeah, it just sounded like one. So, so they they were capable of making all of this all of these crops and things, but then they know where to move it. Yeah. Yeah. They know where to move it. So uh, logistics. Uh, So Kentucky was on a path to having a huge surplus of corn and other grains in 1783. So Evan decided to embrace the opportunity and he built a distillery along the Ohio river. Um, Not only did the river people provide a water source, but Evan could use the river to ship his whiskey down the river to other markets. Pretty smart. Evan may have been able to identify a problem and come up with a solution, but that didn't mean (laughs) that he was a good distiller. It is said that his early customers bought his whiskey because it was, quote, a good medicine for chills and fever, but they didn't necessarily think it was good whiskey. I find that preposterous (laughs) on top of not making the best whiskey at the time. Not everyone can be the best. Evan didn't seem to think that his distillery needed a license to sell his product, and he was indicted by a grand jury in 1788. Around this time, Evan did what a lot of criminal-minded people would do. He joined his local government and served as the harbor master for the local wharf. As harbor master, it was Evan's role to enforce the regulations of the harbor in order to ensure the safety of navigation and the security of the harbor. This included the regulations that kept the harbor clean. But Evan wasn't a model citizen, obviously. His his fellow city officials condemned his facility's sanitation procedure, so he was filthy too. This guy, man, is he's just coming. He's just coming hard. He's coming all together with it. Uh, they decided that the discharged waste and other industrial products, byproducts that were coming from the distillery, from slop, were a nuisance. Evan continued his career in civic leadership and held several other positions, including serving as one of Louisville's seven elected city trustees. Yeah, well, so Evan, well, no, go for it. What do you pen, say? Pigpen could still get elected. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I mean, really, at this point. Like, if we're ever surprised about who could get elected and who couldn't get elected, well, then we're, we're just, you know, dumb. Um, yeah, so this he's, he's not a singular story. But Evan was well-known for his hospitality, so at least he was, you know... A nice guy. A guy. Well, you know, a guy you'd want to have some Evan Williams with, I guess. Have some Evan Williams with Evan Williams. That's not bad. Um, he was known, well-known for his hospitality, so, he, you know, he took a lot of people in. So according to legend, he would bring a jug of his whiskey to his board of trustee meetings. While no one actually officially acknowledged the refreshments, so they're going to try to ignore the fact that this guy's walking into his like official capacity meetings with a jug of whiskey. He always left with an empty bottle. Well, they can't be drinking and making the laws of the land. Oh, yes, they can. And they do often. They have, they have done it often. In a later meeting, another trustee, Gabriel Johnson, demanded that Evan be censured for bringing whiskey and that the bottle be confiscated. 
Evan agreed for the sake of the meeting, and immediately after the meeting was adjourned, the bottle returned, and each member took a taste of the whiskey. When it became Gabriel Johnson's turn, he tried the whiskey and declared, quote, it was too mean to be drunk. Too mean? Yeah. All right. <laughs> that is now my favorite description of Evan Williams. It's like, it's too mean. Like, oh, what is it? It has notes of meanness and spite. Yeah. He has some hatred in I there. Think I think Gabriel know. Johnson has notes of spite. Yeah. He oh, definitely has notes of spite. Evan was a proud man. So this was pretty much the meanest insult that could have entered his ears. But he was also pretty quick witted. So when he when Gabriel made that that comment about his whiskey being that it was too mean to be drunk, that uh, he called Gabriel a sissy. Oh, so excuse me. He said Gabriel had sissy aristocratic tastes, which were very strong words right after the Re Revolutionary War. In addition to being a distiller and a public servant, Evan was also a master stonemason. Evan literally built Louisville. He built the first distillery, Jefferson County's first clerk's office, Louisville's first brick home, and the city's first courthouse and jail. Yeah. Do you need some more out of this bottle? Yeah, and you know, I think we do. But I gotta say, Evan Williams, to me, when you're like riding, you know, you go into some big, like, you know, bike party where there's, you know, there's mud and bikes Is and like people drinking. Yeah, like cutthroats or you know, bike kill in New York, cutthroats and, you know, and, and that's Friends Day or Slaughterama, like these old, these parties. These, by the way, for people who don't know the words that we're talking about, these are just big old, like, punk parties we used to go to back in the day, but like bike punk stuff. But you go to these things and going rolling up into one of these things with like a flask, like a big flask of Evan Williams in my back pocket or like shoved into like my, you know, pocket in my jacket pockets or whatever. It was so portable. It was light. It was plastic. Wasn't going to break. And it just this this whiskey almost I mean, I would almost say the flavor of it even fits the the circumstance like it used to fit the milieu of, of like it didn't I wasn't sipping whiskey you know with my pinky out you know while like you know in in a mosh pit you know that wasn't happening but it kind of just fits so like right now and i'm and i'm drinking it right now out of this glass you're drinking it out, out of, of a glass karen. i'm drinking it a out glenn of glenn karen glass yeah like, out of a glenn karen guy this is the fanciest dress evan williams has ever worn this glass so i was at a lot of those parties with you and i feel like i have a terrible confession to make oh no what is it that could just end my career oh no oh really do we need to say it like yeah oh. i don't think i was drinking whiskey no at any of those parties oh that's not gonna end your career i drank a lot of other things i didn't just drink whiskey here from okay so personally for me mm -hmm. when i see a bottle of evan williams where i buy i, I mean when i buy a bottle of evan williams it's usually because I want to bring a portable plastic bottle with me somewhere to an outdoor event, party, or whatever. Just something to stash in my in my inside jacket in your pocket. And you know, it's it's not something that you you serve and get thanked for, but it's something that you can in you can take you have for yourself. That's just almost like what's the word? It's not utilitarian. It's, it's just it's that warm. It blanket. does the damn job. Yes, it but does also, the damn job. I think saying you wouldn't get thanked for it 
Like, I've shown up with some pretty terrible liquor at points in my life. Oh, no, no, no. It's certainly not the worst whiskey in the world. That's not what I'm saying at all. Right. I mean, it's much worse whiskey. But it's the Ford Escort, in my opinion, of whiskeys. It will get you there. It will take you to the place that you are going. And in short, I guess all I'm really trying to say is that I have a bit of a love affair with Evan Williams, no matter how much I'm going to you know, chuckle and laugh during mm-hmm. this, this podcast. I mean, mind you, you know, I just had like a $600 bottle of whiskey yesterday. So I'm not going to even begin to pretend like there's a, a correlation between, you know, what's out there and what I'm currently holding in my hand. But what I will say is that none of those brands could possibly ever be Evan Williams to me for what the amount of time I have spent with Evan Williams dwarfs the amount of time I've spent with pretty much any other whiskey, maybe beside Jameson's. I can joke Evan Williams the way I can joke like my cousin because I love Evan Williams. It is my, it's been my friend for a long time. It's been my enemy. We fought, we've had love affairs. I've woken up in Evan Williams arms. We've had tons of things, tons of, tons of great times. It seems like, it seems like this is getting a little... Yeah, too much. Yeah. But... Uh, okay, we'll go back to the story. Go we, back to the story. We get that you love him. Yeah. We know so far that he moved to Kentucky. He made some whiskey that was not ideal. And then he became part of the government of Kentucky. And then he built most of Louisville. Yeah. So, I mean, he turned at least his, uh, you know, he he was productive, I think is, you know, maybe the, mm-hmm. the, the key to that. So in time, Evan improved upon the whiskey he distilled. And it soon actually became very sought after. By 1801, his federal distilling license indicated that he had three stills in operation. 141 with 141, one with 130, and another with 93-gallon capacity. In 1801, that seems like a lot to be distilling a lot of whiskey. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, it sounds like a lot to me now. But I guess yeah. in 1801, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, it is a lot. His position on the Ohio River was another key to his success. He was located at the falls of the Ohio River, which was the major port for river traffic, and boats would be unloaded above the falls, carried overland, and reloaded on boats below the falls. This gave Evan access to shipping from Pennsylvania to New Orleans. So he was definitely a smart motherfucker. I mean, he had a successful business. He was involved in local politics. He married a woman named Hannah, and the two of them had five children, three boys and two girls. Unfortunately, to, to, you know, the, the story kind of ends about 10 years later in 1810, uh, where he died on October 15th, 1810, in Louisville, Kentucky. Because Evan's life was so long ago, the details and records of his life are very limited. We don't know how he died. We couldn't find information on what happened to his business or further information about his wife and kids. What we do know is that there is a historical marker in Louisville that designates the site of the distillery that Evan built. Now, here's where the controversy sets in. Historian Michael Veach has stated that the claims about Evan being the first distiller seem to be false. Although records at the time are very sparse, there is a record of Evan traveling from London to Philadelphia in 1794 that would throw the timeline off. While the true identity of Kentucky's first distiller will likely never be known, 
there may be other distillers that seem more likely as candidates for that first distiller role. Yeah, well, this also means that the statement on the bottle of since 1783 and, quote, Kentucky's first distiller may actually not be accurate. But here's the thing. What? It does say Kentucky's first distiller, but I don't see the 1783, at least on this. That might be a, that might be a knockoff bottle. Did you get that on Canal Street, Manhattan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Is it really not on there? Maybe, maybe it's only on the big bottle. Or maybe, they, yeah, they may have just taken it and taken it off. this is a 375, not a 750. Yeah. True. Well, who knows? It's a mystery to us. Again, not historians, whiskey drinkers. Good thing I drink out of the bottle. Yeah, that is a very good idea. Yeah, it is. Uh, we wouldn't have been able to read it. There's more to this story, and it's coming up right after this quick break. Do you follow Dead Men of Whiskey on Instagram yet? Their Instagram feed is the place to see some images from Amy and Christian's stories, learn a few quick whiskey facts, and so much more. And while you're at it, don't forget to take a moment to give a five-star rating and subscribe to the Dead Men of Whiskey. It really helps. And now, back to the story. So, okay, so, I mean, the since 1783, that was a thing, but it's not on the bottle that you have in your hand. You already pointed out pointed that out to me. Yeah, I, is that actually a thing that they still advertise? And Jessica, is that... Can you pull up a picture on like Google or something? See if that's on like any of their other branding. We do have that since 1783. Is that still part of their motto? We do have a 750. Is it around here yeah. somewhere? Oh yeah. Oh my God, people! If you the whiskey lovers of this podcast, I wish you were here in this office. You would not believe just how many whiskeys there are. It's like all your favorite friends are here to play with. But yo, what's up, Jessica? Yes, under the cap, it says M. Williams. Ah, oh, okay. Did we just pull it off because it was the seal. You know that seal didn't say anything. There's some plastic ass seal that was on that bottle. That, that didn't have that on there. Um, there's no printing on their plastic that wraps the. That's what the that was. No, I know, but that's on the big bottle. That's on the big bottle. Okay. The, so I guess the real issue say. is though is that if it's saying since 1783, is I mean, that, is that true? Even if they're saying the year that he started that is correct. Does doesn't that give you the sense that they've been like making Evan Williams since 1783? Like it's been a thing that's been happening ever since. I guess it could. Like, there's no truth in advertising. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. They made some laws. <laughs> made some laws about that. Do you think that anybody actually purchases? No one it? gives a shit. Like, do you think somebody's in the wine? The that wine bottle store, can the say store. since 2006, and right. it doesn't matter to anyone. They're so. in the liquor store, and they're like, oh, but this one's been around since 1783, so I'm picking that up. I mean, yeah. That's I, the, quite all, an all age the, the people that walk into the liquor store with, like, a powdered wig on, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. We don't know many of those people. In Colonial Williamsburg. Yeah, Colonial <laughs> Williamsburg. It's the drink of choice. <laughs> We want to know what you guys think, because I think we're slightly on different pages here. Does since 1783 make you feel like they've been in constant production since 1783? Or does it pay tribute to the fact that it's a whiskey that was invented? Invented? Formulated? I mean, in this case, whatever. I guess it would be really. Because they're considering that being the first Kentucky bourbon, and that's a... That would be an invention of Kentucky bourbon. Yeah. Right? So, so it's a little consequential. 
hop on over to our website, deadmenowhiskey.com, and leave us a message and let us know where you stand. We can resolve this on next week's live show. Yeah, and, and also, just as a point of personal interest, I would love to hear you guys' stories about your relationship to Evan Williams and your relationship to... Yeah, it doesn't have to necessarily be exactly Evan Williams, but you know what I mean. I mean, the, the bottles that got you through your 20s, the bottles that got you through the parties. The, what the if ones, it's the bottle that got you through last night? Like, I mean, I'm drinking it right now. So, so yeah, I mean, it could be from last night. But, I mean, I want to – it. These are this, it has nostalgia for me. I'd love to love to relate and see what you guys' stories are about that sort of stuff too. So despite what you believe about if Evan was the first, and that's the first distiller, not the first whiskey that you drank, he certainly made a major impact on the world of distilling and definitely the city of Louisville. Yeah, well, you know what? Let's talk a little bit about how the brand, you know, that we have today, because the brand we know today hasn't been around, hasn't been around since the 1700s. Evan Williams is now made by Heaven Hill. You know, you may not know the name Heaven Hill. They're, you know, uh, but you definitely know their brands. They include Deep Eddie Vodka, Luzanul Tequila, Elijah Craig, Elijah Craig, Black Velvet Canadian Whiskey. Yeah, you know how we all have that, like, for lack of a better description, that spirit that haunts us uh, from our early drinking Yeah, days. that's what I was talking about. But you're saying... No, you're saying you've got this nostalgic feeling when you you have a, a moment of nostalgia when you drink Evan Williams or when you see it. Yeah, you think about like the good days, the youth, all of that. Well, I mean, they weren't all good days, but they were just days. They were they were there was it was just a yes, I do. But you, I think you get where I'm coming yeah, from. Yeah, it's not nostalgia, or it's not haunted. It's nostalgia. So I'm talking about the spirit that haunts us. The one that we have that crazy story about that's like, oh, and I will, the one that's like, I will never drink that again. For a lot of people, it's tequila. Yeah. For me. And this is the reason that I smirked when you were, when you were talking about their lines. For me, that is black velvet. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I have to hear about this though. So as a teenager, my mom is going to be so mad when she hears this. Oh. But my parents were not drinkers. And every year, somebody would give them a bottle of black velvet. And when I became a teenager, I started filling their bottles with water as I would take them out. And then I realized that this had gone on for months and they hadn't paid any attention to it. And so I just took a full bottle. Mm-hmm. And my plan was I was going to take the full bottle out, drink the whole bottle that night, seven fifty, and Ooh. return it the next day and like fill it with brown water. Oh well, yeah, of course. Um, I didn't make it home that night as a teenager. <laughs> I did not remain in the state where we lived mm-hmm. and had to call the next morning, really hungover, by the way. To say that I was like on my way home and make up some dumb excuse. Well, I, I, th- I thank you for sharing, Amy. I, I like, I really know. I love these stories because the, the spirits that haunt us, you know, I mean, that should be a page actually. Yes. But the spirits that haunt us, and I would love to hear everybody's comments on this, whether in whatever form you feel like sending them to us. I because do. I feel yeah. like a lot of people that spirit is tequila for them. Oh, it is. It, I have stories about tequila that I, I really cannot say on. I can't yeah. even talk about. 
on this podcast. Do but you, do you want to hear the best part of this story? Like, yes, I, I do. Obviously, I was young, and I do not think people under the age of twenty-one should be drinking. Well, of course not. But that's, I was a terrible teenager. Um, I don't think people under twenty-one should exist. But that's you know. But to, <laughs> but to show how immature I was, I mixed the entire bottle with a root beer slush. Ooh, damn, ow. Ow, well, that, that doesn't sound... So it was That does not like, sound pleasurable on any level. It was probably... I think it was actually good. But was it? Oh, it was okay. probably the like 40,000 calories that I consumed. Oh. And like super sweet. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I have, I, have a, I have a couple of those. I probably... I mean, tequila is, you know, kind of a resound. Yeah. You know what it is, especially for whiskey drinkers. I think people that are like, and, and I am myself, I drink whiskey almost exclusively when I drink, right? Tequila, and I don't have anything against tequila. I love and tequila. And I love, you know, mezcal, tequila, any of the, the agave, you know, uh, derived products. I love it. But, man, it does not love me. But I can tell you, like, similar to your story that you were just telling me uh, about, uh, you know, my story with, I have two stories, one with Southern Comfort. Oh. I cannot drink Southern Comfort anymore and haven't been able, I can't even smell Southern Comfort anymore. It, it just does something me to me, like a Pavlov dog's response, you know, where mm -hmm. I just like, you know, immediately like, like kind of dry heave a little bit. Southern Comfort. I was at a party in Washington, D.C., uh, probably early 2000s. I was with my friend Chris and Steiny. And I hope they hear this because I, I know they know where I'm going with this. But um, we were at this party in D.C. And I, for some reason, picked up a bottle of Soko. And that was going to be, my, oh, it was at, it was there. I didn't buy it. It was just there. And I picked up the bottle and held the bottle and continued to drink out of the bottle by myself. I was that jerk at the party. But anyway, so I'm drinking all this Soko. And so it comes time, late night, we're going to leave this party. Steiny, who is in good condition, you know, was, uh, you know, going to drive us home. I'm in the back seat. So this guy is now trying to make a U-turn and mistakenly. And by the way, this guy was not inebriated at all. You know, he was just simply just made a bad driving decision and drove over a median by accident, making a U-turn. This jostled me in the back seat of the car. And I proceeded to projectile vomit all over the back of my friend Chris's head. <laughs> all over the back of his head in his car, in, in Steiny's car, and made a complete mess of it. We had to drive another like 20 minutes in winter. So it was like cold. So the windows are up and the heat was on in the car. It was the worst drive home ever. I paid for some cleaning of the vehicle, obviously. But ever since then, I cannot, I can't handle Southern Comfort. Same with Goldschlager. My birthday at Sticky Rice, which was a bar Amy and I actually used to frequent in Free Richmond. Frequent. I pretty much lived there. I had but, a stroke there. Yeah, well, you, well, good for you. You almost <laughs> died there. I almost lived there. But, uh, but you know, these are um, at this spot. Uh, for one of my birthdays, um, I was uh, – I came in and one of the owners of that bar um, drank Goldschlager all the time. And this was his, I guess, uh, you know. Basically wanted Wait, to Jason. Really? Ja oh my god! Yeah, I mean that was his thing. I don't. I don't even think he drinks anymore. I don't know. But anyway, but he. Uh, but anyway, he gave me a lot of Goldschlager, and uh, and we were 
friend. I was a friend of the bar. So it was a little different than, you know, I wasn't like, you know, just a regular patron. I lived two blocks away. He knew that. But um, I lived across the street. Yeah, that's right. You lived across the street from there. Jesus, old times, man. Yeah. Richmond, like RVA. Yo, I'm going like, to give you some props. I'm, I'm, you can't see me, but I'm like, my fist is in the air. But, uh, but anyway, but uh, Jason ruined me on Goldschlager. I cannot smell Goldschlager anymore. Like it is a looking at a bottle of it is actually enough to or rumplements or whatever it was. I think it was Goldschlager actually, but they're both, yeah, whatever. One or the other. Guess what we're doing tomorrow. What are we doing? We're going on a Goldschlager tour. Oh God, stop. No, I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding, we're not I'm doing that. But anyway, these, these are like, you have that kind of sense, sensory like response or that, that kind of memory sense yeah. response where you can't even like handle being around a certain thing anymore that you've abused. And this is abuse. By the way, I'm not telling these stories to sound macho. These are things that are like, I can laugh at myself because I just don't take myself that seriously anymore. But I'm not proud of this shit. This is not good things, you know? I'm right. Great times, though. I, I do think that, like... Can we, we commiserate have, for a second on yeah. how, how good of a bar Sticky Rice is? Is John paying you? He's not this? paying me shit. He hasn't... That motherfucker hasn't paid me a goddamn dime, and never mind. I'm not even gonna get into that. But anyway, I love you, John. But uh, but no, seriously, there was this bar in Richmond that still exists. It's wonderful, and if you get the chance, you should go. It's a sushi bar, but um, literally my my stomping grounds. The place that that if there if I had to take one bar to Mars with me, that would be the one I'd take. And I love you all down there. I know you're all down there. And some of you at least will probably hear this podcast. So tell everyone else there. Give them all a hug. You know, squeeze John's ass for me. <laughs> I don't know. Do other unspeakable things that you think I would do. But um, I love you all. And uh, But anyway, let's get back to it. Because you were going to tell whoa, me about whoa. having I, I was going to say one more thing before What's that? that. I think that. With age comes the maturity to drink responsibly. Of course it does. Um, yeah. I do think that everybody should drink responsibly. I know that you do as well. So I do want to touch on that. We are sharing these stories because they're true and they happened, but we're not encouraging I, anybody to be no, as reckless. Of as course. We all love our whiskey. We all love to, to enjoy drinks with friends. Enjoy your life. You've only got one. But in doing so, understand tomorrow will come. And you won't be enjoying tomorrow very, very much if you enjoy tonight way too much. So, I, But that's a lesson you learn as you get older. And that's what makes stories like these interesting and fun is because we all learn. And the process of learning that is a process we all go through. My favorite part of this is while he's preaching while he's crawling up on his soapbox he yeah. literally took my plastic bottle of evan williams oh my god here that you i go. was I'll, drinking from i'll give you a couple dollars here take it back it's my bottle. <laughs> okay since you've gained an age yes i have do you think that some of the things that lead us to more responsible decisions are the fact that it's easier to become hungover Mm, no, not for, I mean, may, yes and no, yes and no. Mm -hmm. I'll give it, I'll give it a 50, 50 split on that. Nobody likes to be in pain. Sure. As you get older, your hangovers are a little harder to get through, but it's, I don't even think it's the pain of the hangover. It's just the, the unnecessariness of it because right. sometimes you just want to have a good Sunday afternoon. 
and your Saturday night is not worth making your Sunday feel like shit. Right. So that there's that. There's also the cognizant or being cognizant of the idea that it is unhealthy to be in that condition mm-hmm. frequently. Yeah. And that you kind of just it's it's just not a good look. Right. It's just not a good. It's not cool. I. Yeah. Think we should get back to. Oh, was there still more story to <laughs> <Yes>. tell? <laughs> we started. Were we talking about Evan we Williams? We started talking yeah. about Heaven Hill, and they make Elijah Craig and Evan Williams. Yeah. And oh, Black Velvet. Of, that's yeah. what that's what got us off of this. Black that's right. Velvet yeah. was our tangent. So. Heaven Hill, right? Mm-hmm. Heaven Hill started shortly after Prohibition in Bardstown, Kentucky. The business was set up to produce and market bourbon and premium American whiskey. The concept may seem solid to us today, but at the time, they were they were a company with no brand, no available stocks of whiskey, and at the height of the Great Depression. In 1957, Heaven Hill introduced Evan Williams bourbon. The brand has become one of the nation's leading bourbons in Heaven Hill's flagship brands. In making Evan Williams, Heaven Hill used the traditional laden methods that follow the heritage that Evan himself set into motion. You know what we can confirm is the first for Evan Williams? The Evan Williams bourbon experience is the first stop on Louisville's historic whiskey row. What's the Evan Williams bourbon experience? Well, a few blocks from where Evan had his first distillery, you will find Whiskey Row in Louisville. And the Evan Williams bourbon experience is one stop that is packed full of educational tours, guided tastings, a fully functioning artisanal distillery, and so much more, all designed to celebrate the life and legacy of Evan himself. So there you have it. The life of Evan Williams and some of the more sketchy stories of Amy and Christian. Evan Williams is a product of America's most active and romantic era. Evan responded to his time vigorously and became the first at so many things because action was a means of survival. Less active men fell victims to the countless perils of an inhospitable wilderness, not Evan Williams. Don't forget to tune in next week for our live show. Leave us your thoughts, questions, and comments, and we'll answer them on the show. More details are on our website at deadmenofwhiskey.com. Before we go, let's toast to you and our man of many firsts, Evan Williams. You want to take this one from the top, Amy? I will take it from the top. We lit the candle from both ends. It wouldn't last the night, but all my fellows and my friends, the flame, it burned so bright. Cheers, Amy. Thanks for listening. Amy and Christian will be back next Wednesday with a live show to answer all of your questions, comments, and more. Leave a voicemail at deadmenofwhiskey.com and you just might be included in the show. And don't forget to tune in next Wednesday at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time, 6.30 Pacific Standard Time. Until then, friends, drink up, live legendary, and as always, please drink responsibly.